0: Hello, and welcome to Cultural Conversations with the International Hub. We are committed to helping you navigate global business. Throughout this series, we will have conversations with global business professionals and experts. Hello, my name is Dylan Papenfuss, and today I will be interviewing Eric Johnstone. Um, Eric has just moved back to the United States from Brisbane, Australia. Eric, will you tell us about your decision to move back to the United States, uh, kind of what went into that?
1: Yeah, um, I guess I, I view any any move or any sort of new new job kind of in the same way, which is I sort of I plan for the very near term, and, and my experience has taught me that it, things sort of come up, opportunities come up, um, connections come up, kind of when you least expect them, and that's really what happened here. I had relocated with EY first from the San Francisco Bay Area to London in 2015, then to Brisbane in 17, and an old friend of mine from EY, who I've known for about 10 years, contacted me in January to ask me to apply for a job um, with a biotech company here in the Bay Area, and then that is ultimately what led to moving back, was getting that that opportunity, which, um,
0: yeah, which really came out of nowhere. Interesting. Would you elaborate a little bit more on the process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think had I wanted to, I could have probably reached out to my network to sort of solicit kind of job openings and opportunities to apply for. In this case, it really was um, a, an existing relationship. Um, who is now um, the corporate controller at the company I'm now at. Um, I also I also know the assistant controller quite well, and and they had a need. Um, and and sort of, I guess, reflected on our relationship and, and felt like that I would be a good fit. So they actually sent me an email firstly um, asking if I were I was interested, and I said I was not interested. I I had no intention of moving back, and was pretty busy at work at the time, actually in Brisbane. Um, but then got reached out. He reached out to me two days later via a phone call and, and asked if I would just humor him and and have the conversation. So I did. And so that that led to um, going through the interview process and ultimately moving back about
0: four or five weeks later. What what changed your mind? Let's see. I think for me it's, there were three things.
1: One, this it was a very substantial pay increase. I mean, there's no ignoring that. Uh, so I think the job market in the Bay Area is really, really hot and exciting right now. And um, so certainly it, it made sense for us financially. Uh, I, I was able to afford moving back and being able to live in San Francisco and, and sort of, you know, one of the highest cost of living environments in the world and be able to live, you know, a comfortable life. I needed to be able to afford that, and this job has given me that. But I would say more so is really two, uh, two other things. One, the people. Um, I, I trust these um, relationships that I have. Um, implicitly, and I think very highly of them and their judgment. And so, as I was going through the interview process, you know, just reflecting on how they decided to make this company their career home and the things the company is doing that are all very exciting was very impressive. And then I think originally I would I would say I really had no interest in the biotech industry. I, I sort of have historically viewed pharma as a, as a fairly predatory industry really trying to maximize profit at the expense of of patients. Um, And that's been my view, and it's been a pretty limited view, admittedly, but um, as I've gotten to know this company and seen firsthand what they do to make sure that every patient who needs um, these drug therapies gets it regardless of their financial situation, it really started to open my eyes to the values of the company, the values of the ownership and and management team. They really, really, care. And and every company will tell you they care. Um, but what I've seen so far is that, you know, they really, really stand by those words and do a lot to, to make sure they're putting patients first in, in every meeting and in every
0: decision. So thank you. So you've got the job. Tell me the process of picking up and moving from mm. Brisbane to San Francisco.
1: Yeah, well, um basically you get on the equivalent of Craigslist in Australia which is a website called gum tree <clears throat> well first you decide whether you're going to ship your life and to the new location or whether it's it's more cost effective to kind of build from scratch and when you're coming from Australia the the cost of shipping is is astronomical including pets personal furnishings things like that so we spent quite a bit of time trimming down our personal effects and selling everything um, in the three or four weeks leading up to the move. But for us, um, both being U.S. citizens, it was really as simple as booking a flight, finding an apartment, which we did um, ahead of time, actually. So we had a place to land once we got here. And having gone through an international move a couple times over the last few years, aspects of it felt easier just because I kind of knew what to expect.
0: Really interesting. Um, So, I mean, as you're leaving... Australia. What are you going to miss the most about working there? Hmm. That's a really good question. You know, I
1: have to say I'm, I really enjoy working in <laughs> working in the Bay Area. I don't know that I could point to any specific thing that I'll miss that I don't get here either in a different way. But equally as fulfilling or maybe in a slightly better way. I really enjoy how friendly people are in Australia. It's a very familiar feeling place in that sort of Americans tend to be very kind of gregarious, um, warm people and Australians are the same way. So I, I I generally really enjoyed kind of just the the casual and very dist- real approach to interacting with people in the professional environment in Australia.
0: That's fascinating. Thank you. Um, kind of a follow-up question on that. How have you benefited from your experience abroad? And maybe what's one thing that you learned while working abroad that you hope to incorporate into your career and life back here in the U.S.?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think. Um, I mean, firstly, to be able to put on your professional resume that you've worked internationally is is a great, great thing to be able to do. I think we live in a very global, professional community, and many of the companies that that you and, and sort of your peers will go work for will have a, a very large international footprint, and they want people to come work for them who have a global mindset. Um And so, to be able to demonstrate that you know I've succeeded professionally um, in various countries, I think says a lot about the type of of professional I am. Typically noted every time you go into an interview, or if you're floating your resume, people usually comment on that. So I think there's that element to it. It just gives you a a real breadth of life experience. I think, I think when you are living and and working amongst people um, from from various countries and backgrounds and belief systems, you can't help but become a, a more sort of inclusive leader and worker. You learn that your way of doing things in the grand global scheme of things is a very, very, uh, not narrow as, in a negative sense, but narrow meaning just a, a, a small snippet of, of how the rest of the world does things. And so um, you become a more flexible professional, in person. You learn um, the value of flexing your style to work with people of different backgrounds and and cultures. And and that's a skill set that a lot of people have never learned. And I think
0: it's a very valued skill set as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Is there anything that they do in either Australia or the UK that you wish that we did here in the US? So in the UK, they definitely take a, a a lot of holiday. I mean, they basically
1: shut down the entire month of August and nothing happens work-wise. I do think other countries tend to do PTO, pay time off and, and holiday better than Americans do. Your sort of typical vacation entitlement abroad in the UK would be something like four to five weeks, where here you might get two to three weeks, three if you're lucky probably. So that's something I, I think, we can definitely learn from other than that i'm a pretty big fan of the way americans do business i i think we're very driven people we're very results oriented you know, typically very sort of uh, mean what you say and say what you mean type communicators that's not always the case in the uk and in australia and i, and I think there are definitely benefits to that approach so I, i've grown to value those things more
0: that's awesome thank you Just a comment on vacation days. You later went on to mention how we were very results-driven in the United States. Do you think that's a reason why we don't take as many vacation days or don't have as many vacation days to start with? Hmm. It's an interesting sort of sociological question.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, our parents and our grandparents didn't have a lot of paid vacation either. They, you know, worked brutal schedules month after month, year after year without many of them taking any vacation. I think there's there's probably something to be said for where we've come from as a country through difficult economic times and through wars and things like that that has probably informed some of the way we view the need for or importance of vacation, but I think the younger generation millennials are sort of demanding those types of work perks now such that you'll, you'll find a lot of employers are becoming more generous with those entitlements, if not giving people unlimited paid time off ability. Um, so I think there's a generational aspect of it, probably some specifics around uh, events and periods of time that our country has gone through, uh, but I, I think what you see happening pretty much all over the world is younger people saying, I want to work to live, not I want to live to work. Whereas, you know, re- recalling my youth, it seemed like a lot of parents in my, in my sphere of influence were really uh, living to work uh, versus the other way around.
0: I like that. Thank you. Um, just a question on your opinion. A lot of people view... Uh, unlimited paid time off skeptically here by a lot of people mm. because people aren't comfortable with taking unlimited time off. Some people are concerned that it might lead to people taking less time off, actually. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think the, I think the
1: research shows that actually across the board, people do take less time off in, a, in an unlimited time off model. But I think that probably speaks more to sort of the culture of an organization and needing to really convey the importance of getting away and unplugging and, and kind of retraining bad habits. I'm, I'm currently in an unlimited time-off model, but I, I'm, I've only been there for a few weeks. So I can't tell you from personal experience, but um, I can tell you I have never struggled to ask for time off. You know, I have always advocated for my time away from work, and I think um, anytime. time Anytime you've established yourself as a high-performing person, I think the odds are you will not be met with too much resistance when you need to take time away. So I have been very really fortunate to be able to to have the time away, but I've really had to advocate for that as well. So, you know, if I, if I hesitated to ask or really push for something, I could see maybe not taking as much time, but um, I certainly intend to get, you know, a lot of
0: time off under my unlimited time off model. Thank you. Um, how do you think things have changed in the U.S. since you've been gone?
1: Yeah, well,
0: um,
1: without getting too specific, I do feel like there, there has certainly been a change in sort of the political tenor in our country, and it's noticeable. I mean, I'm sure to all of us we, we see more discussions and tension on social media platforms and the news and things like that. Um, I can tell you we were deciding what, where to move from the U.K., Um, One of the things we discussed pretty heavily was whether or not we felt comfortable coming back to such a, like, really, what felt like, from abroad, um, without actually having been here, It felt like a really toxic kind of political period for our country. And, you know, internationally, uh, people talk freely and openly about some of the challenges we're facing as a country and, and sort of shake their heads and and wonder kind of what's going on in America. And so for us, it was sort of deciding if we were ready to move move from a place like Brisbane, Australia, that, I mean, has comparatively such a low crime rate and and just not just crime, but better health outcomes, lower poverty rates, things like across the board. Like, oh, are we really ready to walk away from that? And um, I think finally we arrived at the answer of yes. But I I also think, you know, you can only affect change from within and not from the sidelines. So I, I that's sort of the thing I would point to the most. I mean, I'm looking out of my, my living room window now. Um, I'm looking at the new Warriors basketball stadium that's being built in San Francisco. So there are a number of um, – you know, new buildings and things like that. You see the new Salesforce building, which is you now an iconic building in San Francisco, wasn't there when I left. So there's, there's that. And you know, people come and go and move and things like that. But um I think the thing that is probably more, more present in, in, in my life is just acknowledging that, you know, times have changed politically and, and we've got some big challenges
0: that we're facing as a country now, so. Definitely true. And then the last question: What did you miss most about the states while you were living abroad?
1: Uh, Chicago deep dish pizza. Period. Like, um, <laughs> actually, <laughs> probably some food. Some. Uh, okay, let me think about that. So definitely food. So you just really can't find Mexican food that is worth its weight in gold, like you can pretty much all over. America, especially sort of in the western states and southwestern states, I really miss Mexican food, pizza and and burgers. Things we take for granted here, they're just not done the same way um, outside the country. So food for sure, um, but other things too. I, and just a practical example: I I was I was ill in, in London. I think my first time being ill in London, and I went to the store to get some ibuprofen just to manage a headache or something, and um, you can only buy them in quantities of six pills and that's all the store will let you buy at a single visit and compare that to going to Costco and buying a large bottle full of a thousand tablets. Um, So little sort of conveniences like, you know, getting over-the-counter medication and things like that, I missed. But um, by and large, I, I I think when you go abroad with a real interest in soaking up the experience you don't tend to miss much. You're really just kind of immersed in the culture and really enjoying being there. But um, yeah, those were a couple of things. Excellent, Eric. Thank you very much. I would say the one thing that people probably don't prepare expats for. You're sort of you're you're always warned that when you move to a new country, there's sort of an initial period of like three to six months where you go through a bit of kind of grief and missing home and. Um, getting used to new country and new way of doing things. Um, but then no one really prepares you for the same process coming back. Um and you sort of assume you it won't happen, but it does. You come back and you know, friends have moved away and, and you know, family dynamics may change, political environments might shift and 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 things will not be the same as when you left them and, and there's there's a bit to sit with in that regard and um so I think just being aware of that and allowing yourself kind of the time and ability to reacclimate in a way that makes sense for you is really important.
0: That's perfect. Thank you. Well, that's all for now. For more information about global business and culture, visit www.internationalhub.org and be sure to subscribe to Cultural Conversations with International Hub. Thanks for listening and join us next time.